All right, Romans 3, 20 through 25. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. Um, Malachi, could you turn down the, the returns, the ones that are pointed toward me, the, whatever those things are called? It's like, I can hear myself so loud. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, Okay, one time, so before I was a pastor, one of my previous jobs was uh, a wilderness guide, like guiding people into the mountains. And I was in California, and um, I saw, I found, in this crevice of a giant boulder in California, an obsidian, you know, obsidian, the stone, the black stone, an obsidian spearhead, as long as my hand. And... Uh, I mean, I picked it up, and the edge was still sharp. Uh, obsidian is like one of the sharpest. When you, when you nap that edge, it can get crazy sharp. Still sharp in places. And, I mean, looking at it, it was just beautiful. Because you've got all these little, like, concave and convex edges and faces on it from where it's been napped off. If you hold up the light, looking through the narrow part of the blade, you can, like, see through it, you know. Because it's so clear, even though it's, like, dark, opaque. It was beautiful, and I just, you know, hung out there for a second and, uh, you know, looked at it, examined it, turned it over and over and over, and then I left it there because leave no trace, I'm a good, you know, wilderness guy, this stuff, I left it there for somebody else to find, but the good news of Romans, the gospel of salvation is like that spearhead, it's sharp enough to cut you, old enough to mystify you, simple enough to be understood, that's not it. <laughs> Classic. All right, hold on a second, guys. I'm, I'm a little too tall for this height. I'm going to have to get a little more verticality here. There we go. Okay, that's going to be way better. All right. So, yeah, the gospel is like that spearhead. It's multifaceted. You don't get to appreciate it all at once. You don't see and understand what's going on just from a cursory glance. So tonight, my one goal is that we would clearly see one beautiful life-changing facet of the impact Jesus has on a person. Just one. One of the facets. And week after week, we're going to like keep on turning it in the light and seeing a different angle of it. So, this one facet tonight, this week, has to do with a verdict. The verdicts that we long to hear, the verdicts we work for, the verdicts we pass on ourselves, and the verdict God gives us. So that's where we're going tonight. God's verdict is louder. God's verdict affects change. God's verdict is a gift. God's verdict is louder. It affects change. It brings about change. And his verdict is a gift. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for this chance to dive into your word tonight. Man, we need a Jesus. We need your word. We need you to reveal yourself to us and show us who you are because you're the best. You're the best thing there is. 
we're missing out unless we see you. So show us yourself by your Holy Spirit. Use my humble words, Lord, to show us something true about yourself and change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Point one, God's verdict is louder. So each week I sum myself up this way. You've probably heard it before. Uh-oh. I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, you probably heard me say it. My name is Willis Weatherford. I'm the campus pastor here. And the one thing I want you to know about me is I'm not a good person. But Jesus loves me. And he loves you. And that changes everything. And it's true. I'm not a good person. But that's not really the way that anybody, like, it's not the way anybody wants to be summed up. You know, oh, her, she's not a good person. None of us want to be summed up that way. But there's more to the story, right? There's more to my story. There's more that's true about me. That's not the only thing Jesus says about me or any of us. It's not the way that I hope I'm going to be remembered. How do you want to be summed up? How do you want to be defined or recognized? What do you want to hear from your friends, your parents, people you care about? Maybe it's a professor saying, you are the most outstanding student I've ever had. Maybe it's a special guy or girl saying, you're amazing and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Maybe it's just your followers liking or hearting or whatever we do these days, retweeting. I don't know. That post, that image, just like getting that certain number of likes. Maybe that's what you want to see. Maybe it's an executive saying, you're hired. Here's 350000 a year. That'd feel pretty good. Or a friend saying, you're just something about you, man. You're so kind and there for me and brave. Your friendship has just changed my life. Or a parent saying, I'm proud of you, and I love you. What's frustrating is that no matter how affirming the words that we hear are, the effect never lasts. The words are too quiet. The effect fades, and we're left searching for the next verdict, the next award, the next dopamine rush, someone to affirm us louder, someone to affirm us stronger, because the verdicts we find and earn and hear from our friends and even from ourselves, they're just too quiet. But God's verdict is louder. It speaks louder in two ways. Two ways that God's verdict is louder than the verdicts we find from others and the, the ones we speak over ourselves. First of all, he spoke in action. He spoke in Christ. The passage says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe. Verse 24. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That word propitiation, big word, it just means God got something done for you that you can never get done for yourself. Jesus accomplished something with his death. He spoke with action over you. So when this verse says justified, by his grace. What does that mean? That's kind of a religious -y word. Whatever understanding you have of that word, maybe it's true, I don't know. But whatever you have, would you put it on a shelf for a second and just like listen to this definition that is what's from, from Scripture? What's justified? If you read the whole Bible, you'll see that to be justified is simply this, to be declared righteous, perfect, blameless, holy by God. To be declared righteous. It's for the, the God who sees everything, who sees your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, 
everything you've ever done, thought, said, past, present, future, for him to look at you and in an instant declare righteous, perfect, flawless. So that's justified. It's a verdict spoken over you by God. This verdict of righteousness for all those who have faith in Christ, it was spoken in the finished work of Christ about 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, it is finished. He died on the cross to take all your sin on himself and to put all his righteousness on you, on everyone who believes in him. And nothing's ever going to change that. Think about that for a second. This verdict that God says over you of righteous, if you have faith in Christ, it's kind of like done. It already happened. Nothing's going to change the fact of what Jesus did for you on the cross. You couldn't change it. I couldn't change it. It's just there. God's verdict is louder. You might believe it tonight the first time. You might believe it in 20 years. Maybe you already believed it 10 years ago. But none of that really changes the reality that that verdict has already been spoken over you, even before God gave you that faith. The volume never changes. So God's verdict is louder. There's one other way it's louder. We're going to get a little bit metaphysical here. Uh, I was talking with the first year guys small group. Um, Wes is there. He knows. Some of you are there. We got a little metaphysical because we're in Ephesians 1 verse 4 talking about how God is like kind of outside of time. His words are eternal. Ephesians 1 4. In Christ, God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I don't pretend to like know what it means for the God who exists outside of time and doesn't need like time in order to exist. I don't know what it means for him to do something in time, specifically the time before the world was founded. I don't know what that means. But one thing it means is that God spoke justification for all of his people before the foundation of the world. Whenever that was in God's timeline. That's crazy. That's loud. That verdict echoes into reality even now. It's, it's a verdict that happened a long time ago. It's true now, and it's going to be true forever. Okay. So, my mom, her name, her maiden name, Jane Elizabeth Turnbull. Don't steal her identity. Be cool, guys. Don't, like, look her up. It's her identity. Don't do that. Jane Elizabeth Turnbull. Turnbull, last name, from Scotland. There's a story. This guy, way back in the day in Scotland, was out hunting with the king of Scotland, and a bull, a wild bull that had got loose or something, charged the king. And this dude, William of Rule in Scotland, he was like, not on my watch. And he tackled the bull and he took it to the ground. I don't know if it's real, but that's the story. And supposedly the king named him Turnbull. He turned the bull. Turnbull. Okay, that's my mom's name. It just is. It's just her name. There's nothing she can do about it to change her name. She can legally change her name, but she's still a Turnbull. Still got that blood in her veins. In the way that my mom is just a Turnbull, no matter what, you can be just righteous. No matter what. A part of God's family forever through faith in Christ that he gives you as a gift. So God's word is loud, you guys. It's loud. Because he loves you too much to let any other verdict drown him out. Those questions there, some of that may seem weird. That's okay. We're going to keep going. God's word is loud. Pin it. Okay. Second thing, God's verdict affects change. Because here's the thing. We don't want to just be declared righteous. We don't want somebody to just say that we're right. We want to actually be 
right, righteous, worthy, good enough, all these things. And God's verdict actually affects change. It brings about the reality that it names. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. He speaks it into existence. So maybe you have heard about justification in the past and thought of it as like, well, God knows that I'm not actually like righteous. But he just kind of like says it to kind of like as a placeholder for maybe the future. And I'm saying like, this is more than that. This is more than that. God's words actually bring about the reality they name. If he says the word righteous over you, the true reality of your eternal person becomes in that instant righteous if God sees you as perfect uh, his sight is perfect guys like he's not missing stuff if he sees you as perfect you're perfect and that's realer than whatever other reality you're experiencing and he sees as perfect all those who have turned from your sin and best efforts and trusted instead of the finished work of Christ so we find this hard to believe <laughs> We resist this concept that it might even be possible because we look at our lives and if we're like actually looking at ourselves through the lens of scripture, we're like, we're not righteous. We see what we do. We see what we think. If any of us were to have our thoughts projected on a billboard, we would run for the hills and never go back, right? Because we know that we're not righteous. So like, what's the deal? In practice, we're not righteous and yet God calls us righteous. How is that like right or fair? What's going on? It's simply this. The salvation of Jesus is already fully accomplished, fully real, fully done for, but it is applied to you in this life in a gradual process. So the verdict of righteous has already been declared over you, over those who trust in Christ. That's called justification, being declared righteous. But the practices, the lifestyle of righteousness, are being gradually shaped, formed in the lives of those who have been already justified. And that's called sanctification, like actually growing, being gradually grown into a righteous lifestyle. So, like, <laughs> I'm going to do a chickens illustration. I just can't resist. I love my chickens, guys. I've got nine chickens, all different colors. Uh, they lay eggs. It's great. But when I first got them at Tractor Supply... Um, there were 11 then, don't ask, only nine now. <laughs> when they're, so when we got them, they're just little chicks, right? And I bought them for money. And in that moment, they became my chickens, right? Mine. Yeah, I was very proud of them. I chipped my kids with two. But they were not yet fully chickens, really. They're little chicks. They're very cute and fuzzy and everything. I love them, but they weren't laying eggs. They couldn't survive outside on their own. We had to have them under like a heat lamp and feed them special food and stuff. That's a dumb example. <laughs> but you can see how it is possible to be truly belonging and truly my chickens and also not yet fully in lifestyle and practice what they are. I don't know if that works. <laughs> Just like go with it. God's verdict actually affects change just like i fed my chickens and kept them warm like god loves you enough to actually make you into 
what he has declared over you, to actually make you righteous gradually. Because he loves you too much to leave you as you are. Last point. God's verdict is a gift. His verdict is a gift. Verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Justified, declared righteous. Works of the law is not going to get you there. So what does it mean by law? Okay, so Jesus summed up the whole law of God in two commands. Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. And, in case that weren't enough, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Do everything the same for them as, as you would like to have it be done to you. So, again, verse 20 with that meaning in mind. That's the law. That's what it means to follow the law. For by all those works of the law, living out perfect love for God and his neighbor, no human being will be justified, declared righteous by God in his sight. So this is just restating the bad news from last week from a different angle. Not only are we unworthy and unguilty, or unworthy and guilty, it's impossible for us to follow God's law so perfectly that he would ever declare us righteous. So maybe that like makes sense on a the theological level, but like we try to do this all the time. We are always trying to like impress God and rule follow enough and do the right things that will be good with God. So if I if I ask you, hey, why should God accept you into his kingdom? Or how's your relationship with Jesus? And your mind goes to things that you do or don't do, you know. You're trying to be justified in his sight by works of the law, by stuff that you do. And this passage is saying it's impossible. Give it up. But what else is there? Verse 21. But now, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. New game plan. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, what is it? The righteousness of God through faith. In Jesus Christ for all who believe. Good, bad, lawbreakers, murderers, everyone who believes. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's saying, you got no hope. You can't follow law good enough to get to God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified, declared righteous by his grace. Undeserved favor, undeserved generous love justified by his grace as a gift. Anyone who's ever been saved or ever will be saved, everyone who ends up in the kingdom of God for all eternity is perfectly righteous. But it's not because of their own efforts. It's not because they were good people. It's because God gave bad people something they didn't deserve. The perfect righteousness of Jesus. Yours through faith, which is also something, that faith that he gives you. As a gift. So you can't even take credit for the faith. It can't be like, well, God did most of the work. But then I kind of like stepped out in faith and maybe these sacraments and maybe like, you know, praying this prayer and kind of like, I made that. No, no, no. God is saying it's all grace. Every single thing, top to bottom, he says it. He says it over you, justified despite what you've done. Um, modern parable to illustrate. Not a true story. Hope you like it. So on a Friday night, James, let's say he's a Toby Nell student. His name is James. He showed up to a restaurant with three Michelin stars. 
Let's say it's in New York. I don't know. One of the top restaurants in the world. He had somehow landed a date with this girl <laughs> that he met at a party the weekend before. And he was excited about this lady. And somehow, even though to him it felt like she was way out of his league, somehow she said yes to a date. Right? So he gets this um, reservation somehow at this restaurant. And um, somehow he felt like it was meant to be, right? So he tries to put his best foot forward. He's got his nice slacks on. He's got his, like, best button-down shirt. He's ready to go. Shows up at the restaurant, like, five minutes before, and he's dismayed to learn, no, 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 this restaurant, coat and tie for everybody, period. No exceptions. Coat and tie rule is in effect. He's got his khakis and his button-down. He starts freaking out. He's like, people that are leaving the restaurant, the dudes, he's like, can I borrow your coat and tie? I'll, I'll venue on you $100 right now. I'll take it back to your house afterwards. Like, he's frantic. He has no dignity left because he wants to make this date work. Nobody's giving him their coat and tie. He's sweating. He's about to, like, close to tears. He's devastated and embarrassed. He's, like, imagining this girl coming up and seeing him looking like a chump, you know, without even a coat and tie. I don't know what he's going to do. He's getting frantic. And then the owner of the restaurant comes out and is like, hey, what, what's, what's going on? What's the matter? And Jed explains, and the owner takes off his coat, takes off his tie, ties the tie for him, says, listen, man, the clothes are yours. Have a great day. The meal is on the house, the wine, the dessert, get whatever you want. I hope it goes great. James is blown away. He thanks the owner profusely. Plays it cool when his date arrives. He never knows. They have an incredible evening. Let's say they get married, just to make it a good story. None of us show up adequately dressed for God. But to believe in Jesus is to trust that he gives you his coat and tie as a gift. That he gives you his righteousness as a gift. That God has declared you already righteous. His verdict's a gift. You can't earn it by good behavior, which means, and this is nuts, you guys, you can't unearn it by bad behavior. You can't earn it by good behavior. You can't unearn it. You can't lose it by bad behavior. Is that shocking? Are you like, I don't know if that's right, Willis. If it's shocking, good. If the gospel's not shocking, we're not hearing it. If the gospel's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a tidy little way to live my life. That makes sense. I can be a good person this way. Not the gospel. That's not good news. That's just Islam in a different like context. That's just atheism where we're just trying to live our lives and go to CrossFit and have good friends and everything in a different context. <laughs> the gospel is something you don't deserve and can't earn. God's burden is a gift because he loves you too much to leave it up to your own ability to earn it. You never could. You'd never get there. But he wants to be with you. So if you've never heard that you can be right with God saved not based on any of your good behavior. Nothing. Not involving your good behavior whatsoever, at least as far as like getting it. Of course, we respond to Jesus in all kinds of ways. But in terms of like getting in the door, none of your good behavior is involved. Only the work of Christ alone, received by faith alone, y'all believe that. If that news is true, that is worth believing. Believe it with this much faith. If that's all you got, that's enough. Believe that good news. If we believe it, what difference does that make? What difference does it start to make in our lives? So I wanted to apply this in a, in a specific way. We're talking about the words that God has spoken over us. So let's talk about our words. What difference does this make to our words the way we speak? So if your words or unspoken thoughts are often angry, cynical, 
critical of others, sarcastic, more likely to blame your roommate or professor or classmate or teammate than to blame yourself. What if you feel the need to blame others because you're still living under your own verdict? And it's kind of a zero-sum game, right? If others are right but you're wrong, if others are right, that makes you a little bit less right. So I smell skunk, you guys. You guys smell that? If, if there's a skunk behind me, you gotta like let me know so I can run, okay? That would be the worst evening runner ever. Ugh. All right. If you're that person, angry, cynical, your words tend to hurt other people, God's verdict frees you from that need to like find fault with others so that you can feel good about yourself. If he says you're righteous in Christ, you don't need to be better than someone else. You can forgive them. You can give them the benefit of the doubt. You can pray for them. It's okay for them to be better than you at stuff. If That's not really you, though. If your words and unspoken thoughts are like nice to a fault, like you're just the nicest, the sweetest person. Everyone loves you. You never say anything mean. If you shy away from conflict, you hesitate to call someone out, if you take almost unlimited, like, unfair treatment to keep the peace, what if you're still listening to the verdict spoken over you by others and you're terrified that they would describe you as, like, kind of hard to work with, kind of a B, you know, kind of mean? Can I say B here? Okay, you guys know what I mean? Okay, we know what I mean. <laughs> is that too edgy for RUF? Wow, all right. If, like, the thought of someone thinking that you're grumpy and thoughtless and just mean freaks you out. God's verdict frees you from that. If he says you're righteous in Christ, you're free to offend someone by speaking the truth. To make somebody angry by doing what's right. Maybe confuse someone by changing your mind. Or even dismay someone by gently calling them to account for what they've done. Okay, if you hardly ever speak, you're the person here and it's like, I love being silent actually. I don't like talking. To keep your thoughts to yourself, prefer the simplicity of keeping silence to the complexity of speaking words. What if you're living in fear, protecting yourself from the risk of the spoken word, the vulnerability of being known, the possibility of being wrong? What if you're so busy enjoying the security of your silent tower that you're falling, you're failing to love and bless others with the words that God may be calling you to speak to them, you know? The truth is calling you to say to them. God's verdict always calls us out out of the tower, out towards others. If he says you're righteous in Christ, you're called to imitate Jesus by exposing yourself, like he did, to pain, misunderstanding, ridicule, betrayal, by moving towards people who may not even deserve it. Last one. If you speak a lot, if you're the person here and like, you love the sound of your own voice, you talk a lot, your words are many, and you know deep down that people need to hear what you have to say. Like, you know. The eternal power of God's words and the absolute sufficiency of his self-revelation allows you to stop talking and breathe and listen and simply to be God's child. People don't desperately need your insight, your advice. They desperately need Jesus. They need God's words in a way that they'll never really quite need yours. Now, there's things that you have to say. I get it. Those words that are important to say. But so many of us we feel like we just we can't be at peace unless we're, there's like a constant flow of conversation. And, and God's justification of us, His Word, allows us to just like, whew, what if it was okay just to be silent for a second? To know that God loves me, that I'm righteous in Him. As you resolve to speak less, 
perhaps you could hear the words God speaks over you in Christ more clearly. So the verdict God speaks over us in Jesus Christ is eternal. It's loud. It brings about the reality that it names in us. And it's a gift freely given to us in Jesus. So may that change the way we speak, the way we listen, and the way we see ourselves. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, your words over us spoken long ago and in the present moment, but not in our tangible hearing, that can seem really theoretical, really kind of metaphysical theology that we struggle to see, like, what difference is that going to make in my life? Is that actually going to change the way I talk? And so we just ask that you, Lord, would do something supernatural by your Holy Spirit. And you would help us to experience and live out in practice what you say is true of us in Christ, in reality. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.